If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. One of the things I, I like to do, I've done that for, I guess this is my 12th or 13th year uh, since I became a pastor. The first of the year, it's a new year, new beginning, especially following COVID uh, year, is, is you're, you're hoping to turn, uh, actually you want to change books, not just turn a page, right? Just, just, I didn't like that book, let's get a new book. Uh, but uh, uh, I always like to begin the year looking at Jesus. And I've done that really since, since I became a pastor. And uh, what we've done here at East Frankfurt is the previous four or five years, whatever it was, we, we looked at the life and ministry of Jesus through the lens of the Gospel of Mark. So we finished the Gospel of Mark uh, at Easter uh, this past year. And uh, before we, we look at another book or whatever it is we, we might do next year, I thought we would try something different in between now and Lord will and Easter. Uh, we hope to look at a series of parables that Jesus told. And on Sunday mornings, we hope to primarily look at parables through the lens of Matthew. When we can get back on Sunday evenings, we'll look at them from the Gospel of Luke. So this will give us a sample of the Gospels, but highlighting a specific form of teaching uh, from Jesus. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 13, and we want to read the first 23 verses. So if you will, stand with me out of reverence for God's holy word. Matthew the Apostle writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. He who will have an abundance, but... From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of, of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn that I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no, no root in himself, but endures for a while, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and in another thirty. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Our Father, we ask, as always, you open our hearts and our minds, our eyes, our ears, our mouths, our hands, our feet. Your word or transform us for our salvation, our sanctification, and one day our glorification. May we not just hear your word, 
but believe it, receive it, and apply it. May I decrease so that you can increase. Name your son, we pray. Amen. Be seated. In case you're unaware, today is January the 3rd, 2021, year of our Lord. How are you, how are you handling your New Year's resolutions? Are you still doing them or not? Have you signed up for that gym membership? Just haven't had time to go yet, have you? How's that diet doing? Well, you did good until about six, seven, eight, nine o'clock last night, right? That was my problem. Uh, how, 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 how are your resolutions doing? It's only been three days. You doing okay? In fact, I mentioned gym memberships. Studies show that gym memberships climbed dramatically in January, and attendance is quite high for the first two to three months. After that, it's right back to where it was. You know, the muscle bros who are there every day because they have anything else to do, I, I guess. I think we can all understand that we, 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 we begin the year hoping that to better our lives in this direction or that, to, to make some lifestyle choices, and all of those are, are good, but the reality is oftentimes we end up breaking every single one of them, don't we? And it doesn't last long. So you see, our, our intentions are good, but we fail to persevere with those. How are your spiritual resolutions going so far? Do you think it's possible, like all the other years that preceded this one, we would begin really well, but we wouldn't finish with the same sort of motivation? That is to say, maybe we want to hear the word, but too often we don't receive it and keep the word. In a nutshell, that is what, Ma- what Jesus is doing here, here in Matthew's gospel in the first of a series of kingdom parables. You'll notice here that the entire chapter of Matthew, if you have a red letter Bible, it's a lot of red letters in it. Matthew has five major sermons in it. The Sermon on the Mount being the first one and the longest. You get the Olivet Discourse, I believe is the last. And right here in the middle, you, you get the kingdom parables. Mark has a similar organization, uh, at least in comes kingdom parables as, as well. And this is the first one, and each of them give us insight into the kingdom of God. And each of them use an illustration, a parable that would have been commonplace for his audience to make a finer point about the gospel. So let us begin here in verses 1 through 9 by looking at the story. It's a pretty straightforward story. You see it there in verse 3, picking up in the story. A sower went out to sow. Of course he did. Otherwise, why would he be called a sower, right? (laughs) You know, know, I'm a preacher, not a mechanic. You don't call me mechanic. For one, you don't want me to be one of them. Uh, And because that's not what I do, right? I mean, if you're a preacher, you preach. If you're a mechanic, you mechanic. If you're a sower, you sow. Is this this too complicated for city people? I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But but you'll find in our interpretation of it, people do overcomplicate that. A sower is anyone who sows. But you'll notice that what he sows is seed. And, and what matters to in the story is not the sower or the seed, but it's the soil that, that becomes the focus point of the parable. In verse 4, we see that some of the seed lands along the pathway. I, I, I think we understand this, right? You, if you were to take seed and you were to throw it on our carpet and you wait, what do you think is going to happen? Well, you're going to upset some of our members is what's going to happen, right? That's the most production you're going to get. Right? I mean, that, that's it. Nothing's going to grow. So, too, if you were to go out here on Versailles Road and sow seed, guess what's going to happen? Nothing. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to grow. Pick any seed you want. Nothing's going to grow. I remember whenever I was a kid, 
I loved going to see my grandfather in Warsaw every summer. I got to him. I had him to myself for a whole week every, every summer. And I loved it. Look forward to it every year. It was a highlight of my year in many ways. And, and I, I noticed that, that for years he would give me a Ziploc bag because he found me one time looking around Warsaw for loose change. That was the only way I could, I could raise funds, you know. And, and I noticed years into that that it seemed like every year uh, my Ziploc bag would get heavier and heavier every year. I would just find more change, strangely enough, in Warsaw. And then I caught him. We were coming out of a, a, a restaurant where, where he liked to eat, and, and I heard this strange sound on the ground. I looked up, and there was my grandfather pulling change out of his pocket. And throwing him out onto the sidewalk. Take a few more steps. And he'd say, son, you, you missed another quarter there. I think I saw one. Why'd you pick that one up? And we'd go a few more steps. He, he'd say, look, there, there's, there's a penny down there. I think I just saw one. You get it? And I'd come and I'd have a few dollars worth of change by the end of it. But I eventually caught what was going on. You see, like, like the, these birds with, with the seed, I, I saw it. And, and those coins weren't going to do anything else. Might as well go in my pocket. So do the birds say, well, these seeds aren't going to do anything else. Might as well go in my mouth. I remember whenever the kids were, were, were toddlers, infants. One was toddler, one was an infant. Our toddler at the time uh, was scouring Steak and Shake's floor like a bunch of rednecks we were in the city for the first time looking for extra crayons because they only give you two, right? Well, that, that's sort of what the birds are doing here. Um, the second, so we see here, we go from the pathway to, to the rocky soil. Now, this is, again, pretty straightforward. If, if, if you've ever planted any seed or anything like that, you, perhaps maybe in, in your yard or something, you've, you've planted a seed, and without realizing it, there's, there's a layer of rock underneath it. And, and, and when you plant that seed, it, it wants to grow, wants to do what God made it to do. The problem is, if it can't go down into the soil, it has to go up out of the soil. And so it's quick to grow, and thus it gives the impression it's healthy. And in fact, you, you may start bragging to all your bros, right? I'm sorry, bros, right? And, and, and you start bragging about, look at this, I, I planted this, and, and aren't I a great, great gardener, whatever it is that you're, you're growing? And the answer is no. The reason is because there is, there is no root being taking place. Before long, uh, uh, the sun will scorch it, and it will die. In verse 7, we see the thorny soil, and it's, it's not... Just thorns, I think Jesus has in mind here. It's weeds. This is why, by the way, I don't do any landscaping. I don't do any of it. When we, we bought our house and moved here to Frankfurt, I, I, I told our real estate agent, told my wife, I said, see all that landscaping there in the front of the house? It's going day one. Why? Because I don't like weeds. Right? I, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I think if you're going to plant a flower, you shouldn't get dandelions out of it. Right? I mean, I, I just, I, I don't like weeds. I'm, I, I don't have a green thumb. Uh, so, so my wife says, no, I'll take care of it. It's a good, it's your problem now. That's one less thing I could write off my list. I don't, I don't, I don't plant flowers. I don't plant vegetables because weeds get on my nerves. Uh, you, you, you just, you just, they won't go away. And, and the reason is because they, they will choke out uh, the good stuff, right? Uh, my my father-in-law likes to walk around his yard in his retirement years and pull as a crabgrass. Is that what it is? I don't really care. But I think that's what he calls it, right? And he's going around picking it out. Why? Because weeds and dandelions are of the devil. And don't just pick out a dandelion. Get it by the roots and all that, all that sort of stuff. Well, the reason is because it's because it ruins what it is that you, you plant. But then in verse 8, we get the fruitful soil. This is the ideal situation, isn't it? Good seed, good ground, good roots, good plant, good fruit, good increase. 
Farmers in Palestine would pray for a tenfold crop, but what Jesus says here is three times, six times, a hundred times that. In fact, uh, Jesus may be playing on the story of Isaac in Genesis 26, 12, which says, Now Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The idea is, is, that, is that in this good soil, you, you get the Lord's blessing out of it, and it's a blessing out of an abundance. And then notice there in verse 9 what it is that he says there. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let me tell you what he really means by that. He tells a story about a farmer who planted seed, and there's nothing new in the story. If it lands over here, it's what's going to happen. If it lands over there, it's what's going to happen. And he says, good night, goodbye, see you next week. And he gets on the boat and he leaves. That's it. That's it. That, that, that's the story. Why don't you feel blessed this morning, right? Imagine you, you traveled out in the middle of the desert. Here, here it is, Galilean redneck. There's so many people there that he's having to stand in the boat. And he says, oh, let me tell you about a farmer. He planted some seed. Some grew, some didn't. The end, let's pray. That's the story. And he leaves. So naturally, the, 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 the narrative moves from Jesus speaking to the, the, the congregation to, to the disciples. And they're asking, well, what was that all about? You think you can tweet out an explanation or something? A press release, something? Give us some meaning behind it? And so in verses 18 to 23, that's exactly what Jesus does. So again, let, let us look to see what it is that's going on here. We, we begin with the sower and we begin with the seed, right? And I've already told you those are, those are important, but not the most important things. What is the sower? Jesus tells you here, a sower is anyone who sows. Now, again, don't overcomplicate that. Most want to say that the sower is Jesus. Yeah, it is. But anyone can sow, Right? You can go to Walmart in a few months after winter. Come springtime. I'm sure they're already doing it. You know, they were already, uh, I think, putting out Valentine's Day stuff before Christmas was done and over with. You can probably go there now. Get you some seed. And you know who can plant those seeds with great ease? All of us can. Don't take a lot of skill to sow seed. Let me show you how it works. You got your seed. That's it. Now, if you want to have more success, you can probably do better than that. But that's step one, right? You just sow seed. So I don't think we need to overcomplicate this. The sower is anyone who sows. Yes, that includes Jesus. Yes, that includes the apostles. Yeah, that includes you and me. Why? Because what is the seed? Jesus tells us there in verse 18 that the seed is the word preached. It is the kingdom of God. It is the gospel. Let me tell you, this is not the ministry of the church, right? This is what the church does. Anyone can sow the gospel. Isn't that what we talked about earlier, about the gospel to every home? It's a way to mobilize churches and all of its members to reach the community for Christ. You sow seed. The question is, are you sowing gospel seed? And so in the parable, what matters is not the sower or the seed, the messenger or the message, as important as those are. The concern of the parable is the soil. The reception of the message and the messenger. So let us start here in verse 19 with the stubborn soil. This is the soil on the pathway. This is the person, Jesus tells us, who, who hears and understands but stubbornly rejects it. And by the way, remember the context here. Who is Jesus speaking to? Who is in this crowd? You see, it's, it, it's not just the pagans from Alexandria it's the religious people who are faithful in the synagogues before Jesus right here. This is the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's like you and me. 
It's like the Bible Belt. It's like America, isn't it? I mean, this crowd would include those who would be the yeah, but crowd, right? Yeah, I believe, but i got to change the way I live first, preacher. Yeah, I believe, but it's, it's just an inconvenient time for me and my family right now. Yeah, I believe, but I don't understand certain things. Yeah, I believe, but my parents just won't understand. Yeah, I believe, but Christians are kind of weird, aren't they? Others may simply join, uh, uh, use the more straw man excuses. The gospel is illogical. Miracles aren't possible. Jesus was just a good preacher or a teacher, a moral leader. Christianity's too exclusive. I'm sure you've heard them all before. But these are those who roll their eyes at the sound of the gospel in the name of Jesus. These are unbelievers. But again, this isn't just pagans he has in mind here. These are people who sit in the pews. These are people who, who attend the trips, who, who go to camp, who, who do all this sort of stuff. They'll come to the revivals. They'll, they'll do all of that. They've heard the gospel. They went to vacation Bible school. They, 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 they understand what Sunday school is. They, they, they may even have the purpose-driven life on their bookshelf. They've got it all. But for some reason, perhaps even right now, there is a stubbornness to receive the seed of the gospel Again, Jesus isn't talking to those pagans way out in San Francisco. He's talking to people who are sitting in the pew every Sunday morning. He's looking at the religious audience who's heard that gospel over and over again, yet for whatever reason, the seed never takes root. Perhaps you're here this morning this morning, and you're thinking, you know what? I've heard all this before. I can quote this passage before, but when you look within your heart, you've got to ask yourself, have I ever truly received the gospel? Not have I heard the gospel, but have I received the gospel and made it mine? Or, is yours the stubborn soil? There is, of course, the shadows, the shallow soil in verses 20-21. I don't know what your experience is growing up, but I was a kids' camp and youth camp kid. I went to Camp Raybro for RAs as a kid. Loved Camp Raybro. Uh, we, we went uh, uh, camping, and we went uh, uh, shooting guns and, and arrows. I mean, we, we, were, we were just just living off the land. I loved it, right? We, we lived in cabins when we weren't camping. I loved Camp Raybro. It's some of the most formative years of my life. And after I was too old for Camp Raybro, uh, we went to youth camp. All this was at Cedarmore, and now it's Crossings. Um, uh, up, up outside of Baghdad. And I uh, loved all of it. But I noticed a pattern in my life and everyone else who went with me. Uh, an old rock band back, back when I was in high school, they, they, they had a line that said, youth camp junkies don't get enough to make the buzz last. That is to say that, that you go and you have this spiritual experience. Maybe it is a youth camp. Maybe it is a revival. Maybe it is a retreat. Maybe it is a convention or a conference or, or a getaway. You have this spiritual experience and then you come home, right? And you're ready to grip the world with Jesus. And what happens? Well, school starts the next month. The boss calls you in. Life happens. And all of a sudden, all of that excitement, all of that energy... Just, just, just becomes a vapor. This reveals a shallow faith. No doubt we've all met those who begin their journey with the energy of a toddler just to learn, um, just to see it fade away. 
Jesus points to the difficulties of, of the life. You see it there, verse 20, as for the what was sown on the rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. The problem is, is, is they, they seem to grow immediately and everyone around them gets excited and people start giving them responsibilities and giving them leadership and doing all this sort of stuff. And everyone's so excited about, about how their life has changed. But what, what, what's the problem? There's no root. No root. It's all emotional excitement. There's no roots. And then what happens? Life happens. Jesus mentioned specifically persecution and hardships. But let's be honest, it doesn't just have to be physical hardships and persecution, right? I'm not yet too worried about the governor or president or someone coming in with guns ablazing telling us it's jail time for us, right? I'm not too worried about that sort of persecution. But one thing I have noticed, there's a lot of people who get excited for Jesus until that diagnosis hits. Excited for Jesus until bad news comes in through the text. Get excited for Jesus before someone, heaven forbid, in the church hurt their feelings. They don't get their way. Things don't seem to line up. This is, after all, the tyranny of the lies of the prosperity heresy. They argue that faith will prevent troubles. Faith will, will make you rich and happy and healthy. And if you have any problems, it's because you, you lack faith. Here, here, is, here is a Savior who's perfect in every way. He still dies an awful death. All in accordance with the will of God for his life. What the prosperity heresy and, and others like it are trying to tell you is, is a lie. With the gospel will come hardships. With the gospel will come difficulties. With the gospel will be, will be the loss of a lot of things we, we dearly love and want to behold. But the truth is, is if we have no roots... We will not last long. Jesus tells a story like this a few chapters back at the end of chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. It's about the wise man built his house upon the rocks. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And what happens? When the winds and the waves come crashing upon the house, one will stand, the one with the foundation. Maybe you don't understand that story. Let me tell you a different story. There once were three little pigs and big bad wolf. One pig built his house out of straw. Big bad wolf comes, huffs and puffs. You know how it goes. Another, build it out of sticks. You know how it goes. And then what's the last one? Build it out of rock. Build it out of brick. Put all that hard work into it. Why? Because the foundation matters when the big bad wolf comes, comes knocking on your door. So too, if you do not have a foundation for your faith, watch out. You won't have that faith for much longer. Notice thirdly is the sinful soil. It's there in verse 22. Like the second soil, these hearers initially embraced the gospel only to abandon it. Now, now, the shallow soil abandons Christ on account of life's difficulties. The sinful soil abandons Christ on account of life's temptations. Jesus here uses two categories in Matthew 13. The first is the worries of the world. Glad we don't have to worry about that in a COVID world. So you can mark that one off. The other is deceitfulness of riches. Can I tell you something I was really convicted about a few days ago, trying to, trying to sleep? We preachers haven't really talked about greed enough. Can I tell you why? Because we're just as guilty of it because we're Americans. Think about it. We place a lot of our identity in riches. We wouldn't put it that way. Even right now, right now we think about the fact that the average young person gets married around age 30. Can I tell you why? Isn't because they're having a hard time finding other people to be with. It's because what matters most to Americans, including American evangelicals, is money over marriage, career over children. 
And so we raise our kids saying the most important thing for you, you got to get that perfect job. You got to have that great career because I don't want you to struggle. I don't want you to worry. And so if that means, oh, we can tolerate a little bit of sin, but if that means you got to get all your ducks in a row in order to do this, what, what is the message we're telling? Money matters more than faithfulness. Money matters more than marriage. Think about how many of our churches, we, we, we judge God's blessing by the size. By budgets and buildings and, and construction projects and, and giving and all this sort of stuff. And so we get to the point where we think so long as there's plenty of money, we're okay. And then we ignore the fact that inside we could be decaying and practically dead. American evangelicalism is, is one of the main idols there would be greed. But nevertheless, it isn't limited just to the worship of, of, of greed, but any other idol. Jesus is clear, you can't serve two masters, either worship one or the true God. You can't do both. Our hearts, one theologian puts it, are idol-making factories. This includes people of faith. Remember, Jesus is talking to religious people. And here he is having to remind them, you come from a line of idolaters who would make golden calves after being liberated by God who will put altars on the high places after God delivers you time after time after time again. Why? Because it is natural for the man to build an idol. See, an idol is anything that makes promises that only God can fulfill. We long for contentment, do we not? And so instead of turning to God for rest, we will worship the God of greed to give an example. So as we already said, we'll hold off marriage in pursuit of our career. We'll cut corners to that promotion. We hop from one job to another, one opportunity to another, one house to another, one car to another, one relationship to another, one church to another, one opportunity to another, one person to another, one family to another. Why? We're looking for something. We, and we believe that, that contentment can be found in Him. Contentment can be found in them. Contentment can be found in this. Contentment can be found in that. If only I put my heart into it, what do we find? Nothing but a broken heart. In pursuit of what only God can give, we turn to a false idol. We all long for love, do we not? But instead of turning to the benevolent Father who loves us enough to, to send His Son to die for us, we will worship gods of lust and intimacy and romance. So we'll compromise our values. We'll compromise our modesty just to get notice. We'll do anything to get pursued. We rush into marriage thinking that the abuse will stop. He or she will change and all my problems will resolve. Why? Because, because love is enough to fix people, isn't it? So we'll hop from one relationship to another, one home to another, one house to another, one opportunity to another, looking for love, but we never find it. We long for significance in our world. But instead of turning to the crucified Savior who says that you are enough, you are worthy of redemption, you are worthy of the Savior, not, not despite your sins, but because of His great love for you, We'll worship the God of power, the God of success, the God of achievement. And so we'll prioritize our career over family and our relationships. We'll place our identity in our resume or list of accomplishments. We'll live in constant fear that mistakes and failures of the past will be repeated. So we'll try harder, we'll go faster, and we'll try to go farther than we ever did before. And then you add a, a highly politicized society to make it all work, or worse, I should say. See, idols, what they do is they'll often turn good things into God things. 
There's nothing necessarily wrong with wealth. There's plenty of rich people in the Bible that God used immensely. One of them buried Jesus. The problem is, is when a good thing turns into a God thing. There's anything necessarily wrong with intimacy in its proper context. But when it gets turned into lust and fornication, it becomes a major problem of worship. There's anything wrong with power or influence, but with its abuse. There's anything wrong with food or drink, but with gluttony and drunkenness. There isn't anything wrong with entertainment, but with revelry. I have found over the years that most of the problems you and I wrestle with will stem from idolatry. Here, here's, here's my key to counseling. Pastor, I'm struggling with this issue. My goal is for you to see your idol. Because a false worship, a false God, will lead the problems down the road. Sin will always lead to division. Sin will always lead to, to heartache. Sin will always lead to anxiety and worship and everything else. But, but the gospel doesn't. So worry is a symptom of idolatry. As is bitterness, jealousy, anger, animosity, malice, all of that. At the root is idolatry. We're driven by fear. We're driven by love. We're driven by hatred. But it is idolatry nonetheless. True faith in the gospel is free from such idolatry. Sacrifice, service, selflessness, forgiveness, reconciliation, love, mercy, faithfulness, perseverance, patience, humility, submission, growth. All of these are symptoms of faith, not of idolatry. See, if you chase the tale of idolatry, your so-called faith will be choked up by what is unattainable. The good news of the gospel is that everything you long for, everything you need, everything you truly, deeply desire, you already have in Christ. Your search is over with. If only you would come to the cross. Then there is, of course, the saved soil. But, but have, have you noticed something so far? Whether we're talking about the pathway or the rocks or the thorns, all of these seeds die prematurely. Seed on the pathway are devoured. The rocks wither. Thorns and weeds choke. Would you look around and think about this county? 40,000 people on. Church, de church lost. How many of them have sat in pews, much like ours, perhaps even our pews, over the last 60 years? They heard the word. They thought they received the word. But it didn't land on good soil. That's why we, we get the saved soil here at the end. This is the here who receives the gospel with a heart of genuine repentance and bears the fruit of genuine repentance. This here will face the same difficulties as the second soil, but will persevere with faith. They will receive the same temptations as the third soil, but overcome them with faith. He's defined by faith and by his fruit. He grows and grows producing fruit, fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He loves, he forgives he serves and he bears that fruit in abundance. He continues to grow in love and joy 
so that the person he is now, not the person he was last year or the year before that. Why? Because fruit is being born because the foundation is good. The roots are deep. And now he is getting the sun. He's getting all that he needs to grow. He's not a stagnant believer. He's a sanctified believer. That's the goal that Jesus is looking for. He's looking at this mass crowd, and what does he see? He says, I'm sowing seed. And the truth is, some will hear, some will receive, but many, they're coming to me with something else. So it's not going to land on good soil. And so too, how many in our churches, how many in our homes and our community, it isn't a lack of, 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 of sowing, it isn't the power of the seed, it's the reception of the soil. This entire parable, remember that the main point, the main emphasis is not the sower or the seeds, the messenger or the message. The main concern is the soil, that is the hearer. And here's the point Jesus is asking the reader. Which soil are you? Which soil are you? I hope this new year, man, you get that diet thing figured out if that's what you need. Hope you start working out in fitness if that's the thing you need. Hope, hope, hope things turn around right and, and in your career and your opportunities and in your family and all that. I hope all that stuff, all those resolutions, fine. Here's what I'm really concerned with. In 2021, which soil are you? Let us say another pandemic comes to our shores. Let us say there's more chaos in our communities. If you have... If the word is planted in good soil, should it matter? Should it matter who is president? Should it matter who is governor? Should it matter who your boss is? Should it matter what changes we go through? No. Because Christ reigns. Christ supreme. Christ redeemer. Christ is enough. Which soil are if you're here today and the soil is landed on the pathway, I beg of you, I beg of you to repent of your stubborn heart and receive the gospel. If you're here today and, 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 and you're being choked out by the riches of the world, I, I beg of you today, surrender your idols and let Christ be enough for you. If you're here today and life is just becoming too difficult for you and, 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 and you don't know what to turn to and, and the seed is landing on, on, on such rocky soil, I beg of you today, receive Christ for he is enough. And if you are here today and the seed continues to build on good soil, I beg of you, are you bearing the fruits? Where are you going to be 365 days from right now? If you were to look back 365 days, can you honestly say it's good soil? If not, why not? What are we going to do about it now? Let's pray.